we're sending money out of Syracuse and not just for 30 years, for the rest of their life. But when you are told that there's a promise that your generation will be better than the previous generation, and we're seeing that the statistics tells us that that's not the case, it's evidently clear that it only is going to change if we are going to be the ones who fight for our future. So we want to put in context because it's not just a class issue, it's a race issue. We're telling black and brown people and poor people, you don't matter. Welcome to Afro Futures. You are here today with Yusuf Abdulkadir and Wisdom Cole. Wisdom is with the NAACP. And if you haven't been following the conversations around canceling student debt, uh, you may have missed his really important voice in this conversation. So Wisdom, thank you so much for joining us today and for the work that you do to advance the racial justice components of student debt cancellation. Well, it's definitely great to be here, Yusuf. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're going to definitely get into like why student debt uh, is a racial justice issue and why President Biden should be canceling it. And, and operative word is cancel, not forgive. And if you could, at, when we get into that conversation, talk about the nuance between the two. But for now, I'm interested in your own personal story. What got you into advocacy? What was, you know, as a, as a person who spent years in advocacy world and, and activism, uh, I've come to this sense, and, and in fact, many of the people that we've interviewed have also had this similar type of experience where the personal is political, where there's something that mobilized you, whatever that thing might be, into your activism. And so I, I, I'm curious as to like what brought you to this work, what brought you to NAACP, and um, is, there, is there a moment that sparked that for you along your journey? Yeah, you know, every activist, every organizer has an origin story. Um, and mine was really interesting because, you know, I, I talk about my college experience as the, the time in which I learned to love myself as a Black man in America, really understand my experience and understand the language and the verbiage um, and the stories that can describe the experience that I go through um, growing up here in America, uh, but also being an immigrant. Um, and being born in Nigeria. And so recognizing how I have such a very interesting identity in, in the way in which I kind of straddle some of these lines, um, really in college, I had an opportunity um, to connect with black students all across the state of California. I'm from California originally. Um, I went to the University of California, Santa Cruz. And um, at the University of California, Santa Cruz, you know, I really went there to become a doctor, right? I was studying chemistry. I thought I was gonna just be in the books studying all day. You know, you think about every every African parent's um, dream uh, for their, their son or their daughter um, to become uh, a doctor, right? To you know, the, say that the fact that they came to this country and made something for themselves, um, that's what I thought I was gonna do. But not even understanding the deep history of activism and organizing at Santa Cruz, right? For folks who who don't know, um, Hugh P. Newton got his um, PhD in the history of consciousness there. Um, Angela Davis is a professor emeritus there, and so being at that campus, I really got a deep dive into understanding um, some of the the folks who really led the Black Panther Party. Um, coming out of the Bay Area, coming out of Oakland, coming out of uh, that, that time period of activism. And so I really had that opportunity to, to understand and engage in that. But for me, the moment where I kind of felt I had to be forced to be a part of this work was the summer of 2013, um, after the Trayvon Martin verdict came out. 
um, including George Zimmerman, of the murder of Trayvon Martin. You know, I, I could see myself and many of the people I knew in Trayvon Martin in that situation, in that case, um, in, that, in that murder. And when I saw that happen, I was just like, where, where is the outrage? Where is the accountability? Um, and being at my campus, especially a campus so rooted in activism, there was no response from the university. And so in that moment in time, right, at, 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 at summer, it was really an opportunity to, to galvanize the students who were there and to demand a response. And so um, within hours, we organized uh, a mobilization uh, from the campus to the community, uh, really stopping business as usual, recognizing that we cannot go forward uh, after the murder of a black life. Um, and from that moment in time, you know, I was just like, I have to do something. I have to be a part of some type of movement. And from there, you know, I really began to join student organizations, right? Being a part of the Black Student Union um, in California, we had the largest Black collegiate organization called the African Black Coalition. Um, and that's where I really got my, my organizing roots or chops in um, going from UC campus to UC campus or going from Cal State school to Cal State school, really working to support Black students as they develop, you know, campaigns and initiatives to, to change their community and recognizing that we are able to build strength through solidarity. And so that's kind of a uh, part of my origin story there. Um, and years later, um, I got, um, you know, so-called recruited or asked to join the NAACP to think about this work on a national scale and to work with Black students across the nation um, to build Black vocal power. And that's kind of what brought me a little bit to here where I'm at today as the national director for the Youth and College Division. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating origin story and a, a common through line that I've, again, noticed with many of the origin stories of people in this space from our generation are these seminal um, public lynchings, police-involved killings, these instances where it's plainly clear to the public, to everyone, that there is a great injustice that was done, but the system's orientation isn't towards justice, it's to the preservation of many white supremacist ideals. And so it's fascinating to me how that, I mean, it's also saddening, but in some respects it's important because it catalyzed the work that you're in now. And it's quite appropriate that because you've worked and organized amongst and with students, that an issue such as student debt would be so relevant to your wheelhouse and and unique in the way that you frame it because you're organizing with black students. And so I remember being promised and I graduated in 2008, so I'm a little, maybe a little older, but I remember being promised that as a poor black person growing up in the Bronx, that if I went to college, that I would be able to have access to the middle class. It was like an upward mobility thing. I remember being told like student loans are, you know, ways to, fun if you don't have a scholarship, your education, and they're good debt. They're not bad debt. It's an investment in your future. And all these kinds of stories and narratives that, you know, as I hear other people in this conversation tell similar types of stories that really weigh into the, the way that student debt is in many respects predatory, but it has specific implications for Black families because of the histories of discrimination in this country, because of the legacies of redlining and other types of policies that prevented Black families from being able to pass generational wealth. Why is canceling student debt uh, such an important political moment? Why cancel not forgive 
And why is this specifically a racial justice issue, not just an economic justice or fairness issue, not just because, you know, it's good for the economy, but why is it a racial justice issue? Yeah, so, you know, student debt and thinking about it, it's ties to higher education. We think about higher education for the black community, as you were just talking about, um, it's supposed to be the great equalizer, right? It's supposed to be this, this opportunity uh, that you go into, that you get your degree and you have access to, to jobs that will help you generate wealth, right? That is the promise they tell us, right? You know, for me growing up, um, education was a very integral part of my life. My mother really honed in on that um, and really thinking about some of the origins of even of some of our great activist leaders, such as like Malcolm X, who talks about education being the passport to our future, right? This idea of the more and more that you learn, the more and more that you, you gain, the, the better you're able to set your future up for. Um, but recognizing that in today's day and age, uh, that doesn't really equate, you know? Uh, folks go to college for four plus years uh, and graduate with uh, a burden of student debt and are still not able to get jobs. They're still not able to have access or opportunity um, and then when we think about for the black community, we still see um, discrimination in the workplace. We still see um, unfair wage uh, disbursement. We still see um, a lot of impacts regardless of having that degree, right? You could study as hard as your white peers. You can do even further and farther and better in your studies um, and still not be able to uh, perform or do the things that you need to do um, to support yourself uh, to build your future. Uh, was as well as thinking about, you know, what happens for uh, many Black students as they're in college, right? Oftentimes when we are in these spaces of higher education, uh, particularly at these PWIs, we are facing discrimination on a day-in-day -day basis. Um, we also have to have financial obligations back home, right? You know, oftentimes I have to send money back home to my mom to support for rent, uh, to help my brother and my sister, uh, just to, to, to support the family, because that's part of our culture, right? That's part of who we are. That's some of the expectations that we have to hold, um, you know, even being in these places and spaces. So when, you, when you're recognizing what's happening for black students at these universities versus white students, it's not the same experience. And so when we think about student debt and thinking about the impacts of student debt, um, especially as black students graduate, you know, that, that debt isn't, isn't disappearing for them, right? And they're not having access to become homeowners, to become business owners, or to, to really have a full investment in this economy. Um, and so this is something that is weighing down the black community. And so when we think about uh, student debt cancellation and not forgiveness, right? We think about this, when we think about forgiveness, you're thinking about almost as there was something that you did wrong that you have to um, give back to, right? And then us consistently own the government versus the idea of cancellation, recognizing that this is an opportunity to reduce the racial wealth gap, right? To make sure that there is um, an equitable chance for folks to compete in this economy. Um, somebody who was a really great proponent um, particularly when we think about language, right, and the importance of language and the importance of words um, is Representative Ayanna Presley. Um, a couple of years ago, we had a, a really amazing webinar um, called uh, The Crisis of Black Student Loan Debt, and she really kind of painted that picture about the change in language um, from forgiveness to cancellation and how important that is. And so when we think about uh, cancellation and where we're at right now in the conversation, because one thing I want to make absolutely clear I'm continuing the work that folks have been doing for over 15 years, right? Folks have been advocating for student debt cancellation 
um, at Capitol Hill um, with the administration um, for years and years and years. And when this conversation first started, they were looking at everybody like, you're crazy, right? Like student debt cancellation, what does that even mean? Now we have uh, congressional members on the Hill every single day saying, it's a good day to cancel student debt. It's a good day to cancel student debt because they recognize that in this moment in time, this is an opportunity to help us move forward, right? Something that we've seen through this COVID-19 pandemic is the exacerbation of certain systems that are not working, right? The current systems in place, like public service loan forgiveness, like income-driven repayment programs, these programs that we opt into um, as we graduate from college are not working. And I know that there have been some reformations that have been happening over the last year to improve them. Uh, but ultimately, when we put these systems in place, they are still barriers uh, for the folks who are most impacted by student debt. And so when we think back particularly to 2020 um, and this global pandemic that we were in, as well as a presidential election that we were in, you know, our elected officials, particularly our president um, Biden, made promises to us that student debt would be canceled um, and that he would make this happen, particularly for HBCUs and MSIs um, and folks who are low income, um, really wanting to make sure that he supports uh, this as an economic platform to, to boost the economy and support us. And so folks worked and worked and worked to turn out the vote, even in the midst of navigating this new COVID reality that we looked at, that we were living in. And so now we're kind of seeing as we're moving forward, you know, there's little inch by inch, you know, things that should have been done already, you know, just yesterday, um, Biden canceled the debt for folks who went to the Corinthian colleges, which are, is a for-profit institution, which should have been canceled back in 2018. And it's amazing that's happening now, but we need big policy change if we want to see big turnout, right? We need to make sure that we are providing relief to the most amount of borrowers to ensure that we have a, a better future. And when we think about this uh, from an economic standpoint, right, this is a, an opportunity uh, to really push us forward. You know, we say in this space, oftentimes that student debt cancellation is progressive, not regressive, because oftentimes folks try to uh, say these lies about how student debt is going to increase um, inflation or impact the economy in this and this way, right? Canceling student debt leads to an expected rise in GDP of 86 to 108 billion per year, right? Uh, this is an opportunity for folks to have discretionary income to put into the economy. And so there are only positives from seeing student debt cancellation at the highest level. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think that you really did a good job at tying in the, the moral policy and even some of the political opportunities that student debt cancellation presents. And I, I, it's astonishing to me that this is such politically now, seemingly a, a pretty easy win um, that can help to not just mobilize folks, but really make significant, significant change in people's lives. I mean, it, there's always this conversation about income thresholds and conversations about you know uh, which universities, and I, I think it's I think it's important for us to understand, especially if we're going from the framework of cancellation and not forgiveness, that all of the students who are involved in this, and especially the black and brown students, did not get the generational wealth that were afforded white families under New Deal era policies that helped build that generational wealth that really oftentimes is used to help finance family student loans that. Otherwise, we as black and brown folks who don't have access to that wealth that we were denied through 
policies of this government, we, we had to take on student debt in order to pay for that. And there's a conversation often that, you know, wealthy people will benefit, except wealthy people don't need student loans because by definition of being wealthy, they have money to pay for it. Um, exactly. So it, it, it's, it's amazing to me how this is such a, how it's allowed to become a conversation that is really descended into stupidity when this is such an easy political win. And I just would love for you to talk about the politics of it. Yeah, you know, it's it's really a, you know, I really believe at this moment in time, it's a moral battle, right? Where this idea, um, particularly in America and thinking about some of our, our, our elders and, and people within um, even our own community who think about this idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, that you made the choice to go to college, that you made the choice to, to take out this debt and then it's on you to repay it. Um, whereas you look, um, you know, in the early you know, 1960s, before the 70s, particularly in California, um, folks didn't even have to pay tuition. They just had to pay um, room and board, right? Um, that doesn't sound equitable. That doesn't sound fair, right? The, the cost in college has, has almost uh, rised exponentially just over the last decade, um, becoming unbearable for folks to really opt into this system Right. Um, and so I think it's really at this point in time, a moral belief around if uh, cancellation is what America needs at this moment in time. Right. We know that it's it's logical. We know that uh, the debt that we have in the black community is not the same as debt as the white community. We know that income across this nation is not the same. Right. You look at Los Angeles, you look at uh, Dallas, you look at Atlanta, you look at Miami, you look at. D.C., Baltimore, income across the nation is not the same. And so when we think about an opportunity to, to right some of these racial injustice issues that have happened in America that has caused us to be in an economic deficit, this is the policy that will allow us to do it. And so really we're asking this question um, if Biden fundamentally believes in debt cancellation. Um, and when we say uh, fundamentally believing in debt cancellation, debt cancellation at the highest level, because the more you cancel, the better outcome you have, right? I know there's these questions about 10,000 um, or 50,000. And what we've been advocating at the NAACP is that if there is a number at minimum to do justice by the black community and by all people, it has to be a minimum of 50,000 or more. But we, by all means, we want you to cancel it all because the more that you do, uh, the better outcome it is for everybody in America. No, I, I absolutely love that the NAACP has taken such a strong position on this. And, and there are many others as well, but I, I especially appreciate the legacy organizations wading in and being pretty clear about that because it's, it's, it's tremendously important. And especially if Biden, as he said during the campaign, Black people have had his back, we'll have our back. Well, you owe us, buddy, because this one is a significant one. If you want to talk about a single policy that can be done just by you, uniquely with your own authority that has been vested in you by Congress, um, that you would be able to radically change the lives of millions of people in this country, generational changes that that will truly get at the, the core, many of the core, not all, but many of the core inequities in this country. And, and for it to be such an easy policy decision, just by the pure politics of it, it's astonishing that it still hasn't been done. Perhaps there's a waiting uh, for closer to the midterms as a way to galvanize engagement. But it, 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 I, I want to end by saying, what does it look like if it doesn't happen? I say that with a caveat that in this space and in this work, 
we tend to not think about it not happening. I mean, we you have to consider it, but you're often envisioning as a part of, you know, the Black liberation struggle, you know, this Afrofuturist, you know, foretelling into the future is very central to our ability as a people to continue to thrive despite the seeming odds against us and continue to push it, right? So both our progress and, and the nation's progress but in, in general. So I don't want to present the perspective that we can't, we can't overcome this or not win this battle because we can and it's in, within a moment. But what, 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 what do you, what do you forecast as a direction and what happens if it doesn't, if it doesn't actually happen? Yeah, you know, I think we're in a very unique place in time politically, right? We, in this moment right now, right? The, the amount of mass shootings that just happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, we just came up on the second year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. Um, you know, student debt still hasn't been canceled in the way that we want to be. Um, and our voting rights are under attack at all levels. Um, our educational system is being deeply impacted. Um, we're not seeing the amount of teachers of color that we wanna see um, in the system. And so we are being impacted at all levels. And so really at this point in time, if there isn't policy in place that is changing the lived conditions of people on the ground each day, people will not turn out, point blank period, right? You know, we, 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 we just saw, you know, even thinking about abortion rights being rolled back um, and the response that we got from our administration essentially saying that it's important to elect people um, into power who will make sure to this is protected. We are. I thought we. I, I thought they. I thought we did that in 2020. <laughs> yeah, we already did that. We already did that. We turned out. That's in, why in you're there, numbers, right? That's why you're there. That's exactly. why Georgia has two Senate Democrats, right? That's 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 why you know even though the margins are close and even though the politics of many senators are a particular way, like people have been asked to do that and they did it and. The question is going to be why keep doing it if you can't do the simple thing that you can do yourself. I think you're you're, you're spot on on that. That's it. That's it. So that's what we're facing. Um, that's what we're being impacted by. And the scary part about that, particularly because this year um, is about local and state elections um, and things that are going to impact you um, not ten months from now or not a year from now, but could impact you tomorrow. Right? You know, if folks don't turn out, if folks don't engage. Um, in their their civic right um, to vote and, you know, being a part of the system and keeping these elected officials accountable each and every day, um, we're going to be uh, facing um, lots and lots more of these issues, um, not just on the national level, but on the state and local level, and we already are. And so um, I really think that if the administration wants to use this opportunity and the power that they have in their hand, just as you said earlier, right? You don't need anybody else. You don't need Kristen Cinema. You don't need Joe Manchin. You don't need anybody else. Like literally with the stroke of a pen, you can make this happen. And so make this an opportunity to leave a legacy. And the last point that I'll leave is that since Biden has been in office, right? Because we have been um, in a COVID-19 student debt, this is an opportunity to continue that and to make sure nobody has to. Can you repeat that again? Uh, since Biden, I think you went out for a second. So since Biden has been in office, because we have been in a COVID-19 pandemic, nobody's had to pay their student debt, right? It's been paused and the pause has been extended uh, multiple times. And so this is an opportunity for Biden to continue that and to ensure that folks don't have to pay their student debt.
anymore. Yeah, Wisdom, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. I have so much more that I would love to talk to you about, but I think this is a really good place for us to end this conversation today. So thank you so much for joining After Futures. You know, I don't know if the Biden administration is listening to the show, but uh, I, I think, I think you know, President Biden, you got Syracuse University ties. This show is broadcast out of Syracuse. Listen to us. We're telling you, you got to get this thing done. You got to get it done. Thank you so much, Wisdom, for coming on the show. Um, Wisdom Cole is with the NAACP. He is active in the work around canceling student debt and many other racial justice issues. You've been listening to Afro Futures, a production of WAER. Thank you for listening. Take care.